2: And I welcome you today to CSC Talk Radio. It's my honor, my privilege, and my pleasure to be here with you. And as you well know, it is a mission. As we uh, we kind of joke, but we're very serious about saving a nation and saving rural America. Because I believe rural America is the foundation of this nation. Always has been, always will be. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer first. For such a time as this, oh, most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you as a body of believers across this nation. As we take just a minute to be still and know that you are God. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. And Father, we ask, as always, we're always asking for something. But Father, grant us wisdom and courage to deal with the situations of today in life. And we ask for your protection and your watch care over us. Father, we've had a horrible storm in this country. And there are many that are suffering because of the winter storms. They've lost loved ones. Father, we pray for your comfort and your peace in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the storms of life. For only you can bring peace within us. Father, I pray for your protection over President Donald J. Trump as they continue to go after this man and his family and those that are around him, Father, and those who are trying so hard to fight for this country. As we speak of independence and liberty, they think us to be the bad guys. But, Father, when we speak of you, they hate it. But may we always, always be brave enough to speak the name of Jesus. For such a time as this, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a quote here from Jim Banks. I'm sharing it really has nothing to do with the show. I just thought it was kind of well, we'll parallel it. I'll, I'll show you what we're going to do here. Democrats are in a hurry to name the U.S. Capitol rooms, federal buildings, and scholarships after Nancy Pelosi before they lose control. But they haven't done anything to address the fentanyl crisis, secure our borders, or ease inflation. They only care about themselves. Oh, isn't she special? But you see, the politicians are always busy. Like little D.C. occupiers occupying offices and cutting deals, their deals seldom have anything to do with securing American liberty or making your life better or guarding your freedoms. The American dream is still alive, but D.C. occupiers, they don't make it easy, and they want control of everything. They want a piece of the action, and they want to control that action. America, a land was built on private property ownership and independence. Opportunity for all who would work hard, maybe willing to take a chance here and there, weathering the storms of life in order to make your business, whatever it is, succeed and be a legacy for your family and your community. America once was a land of independent people and opportunity. Now we are a land of mega corporations, greedy to have it all and to take from the independent businessman and businesswoman much like the villain in the Old West stories and movies. He was going to cheat the ranchers out of their land. Maybe he'd dam up the water flow. Maybe he'd burn them out. Maybe he'd just cut off the food supply. Wait, does that sound like our government officials? Does that sound like the mega corporations colluding with Congress? Not only that, but somehow, someway, somebody decided it was a good idea to sell American farmland to China. It's insanity, my friends. First they came for the American markets and implemented free trade and eliminated fair trade. Traded American jobs for cheap trinkets and medical drugs and supplies and clothings are no longer made a part of the USA. Then they came for the independent businessman and woman and traded mom-and-pop shops for mega-stores and corporations filled with products made in China or other foreign nations. The consumer dollar now goes overseas, not to the factory down the road, which is now just as empty, an empty building or a China warehouse. America's textile industry seems to now belong to China. Then they came for our food. The packers and stockyards decided they would do it all, raise the animal, butcher it, pack it up, and sell it, No need for those pesky, hard-working chicken farmers and hog farmers. We'll all own it all. Evil laugh, evil laugh. Restrictions and mandates by the government made it tougher for the independent producer. And the market's now fixed, and it's difficult to make a living. You know, like Martin Niemoller's poem, First They Came. Americans stood by as our country has been taken over by politicians and greedy mega-corporations. They have no loyalty to our country. But this... I put this together this morning, and it is really rough. It needs some literary work. But here it is. As they made their free markets of NAFTA, CAFTA, and GATT, there was a large sucking sound as the draining of liberty began. First they came for our markets, traded our jobs for cheap trinkets, appliances, and clothing, and stuff that won't last america's industry became memories of the past with our factories are now gone so the american middle class went at their at first the consumers noticed cheaper in every way products on the shelves and the prices elevated and the shelves became empty manufacturing captured by mega, by mega greed they soon came for our food industry bad policies in dc paved the way for the theft of the farmers and the ranchers they will be next the independent cattleman is left, and they are coming after him or her now. The greed for the dollar has hurt the supply, and when the independent cattlemen are gone, well, look for more empty shelves in your local supermarkets, which is also foreign-owned. Perhaps it was slow at first, like the small little snowball at the top of the hill, but as it began, it rolled to roll. It slowly gained speed. It got bigger and bigger and faster and faster. What will happen at the bottom of that hill when the mega snowball lands? My guest today is a longtime friend of CSE Talk Radio, Bill Bullard of RCAF USA. Bill, welcome back. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas with your family.
3: Well, I did, and I hope you did, too. Glad to be here, Beth Beth Ann.
2: Well, like usual, I haven't had mine yet. (laughs) We will have our Christmas in January the 7th, and one of my sons is going to be missing because he moved to Charleston, South Carolina. He's leading music in a Baptist church down there, and he can't make it in all the time. He made it here for Thanksgiving, but we will have thanks. we You know, Christmas goes on and on around my house. So. But, yeah, it was a great Thanksgiving, too. But, um, anyway... Your uh, article the other day captured my attention because I have used that uh, analogy of the snowball down the hill, and you did that in your article. And then your article today, some steak sauce for your widget. I thought both of those were really good, and it kind of prompted my, my, my uh, Martin Nemo molar uh, attempt. They did come, and they keep coming. And we have to fight them. And I know I've taken up about all of our first uh, part of the show, but when we come back, I'm going to leave it up to you. We're going to try and explain to everyone just exactly how this uh, snowball got started and how they keep building it up. And it just keeps sucking the life out of America's industries, including, I know, especially the cattle industry is next. They're after you. They're coming hard, aren't they? They are coming at you hard. But... RCAF USA. I want you to visit RCAFUSA.com. Stay tuned to uh, CSE Talk Radio as I visit with Bill Bullard. He is the CEO of RCAF USA. And we will be right back. Liberty for all, and we love America. Order your set now and a set as a gift for a special patriot in your life. Liberty Tabletop brings liberty home to your table. Use the promo code Beth and receive a discount. LibertyTabletop.com or call them 844 386 2338. And we have returned. You're listening to CSE Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. Our guest today is Bill Bullard Bill Bullard of RCAF USA. They are advocates for the livestock industry, actually for the independent farmers and ranchers. And I'm going to let you just kind of take it from here. I'm still going to be here with you. I'll make little comments, but I I want to kind of turn it over to you. It's been a long time since you've been here with my uh, uh Listeners, um, you were here for our three thousand show, and I really appreciated that. But let's let's talk about let's talk about the cattle industry, and and really our food supply in America that's really hurting.
3: Well, absolutely, um, and what you said in the introduction really covers everything we're going to talk about, and you did that exceptionally <laughs> well. Um, and when we're talking about the the cattle industry in the United States, it's the largest segment of American agriculture. Uh, it's vitally important to rural communities in every state, all across the nation. And, uh, and it, it addresses and it preserves our national security interests to have an abundant and affordable supply of food, an uninterrupted supply of food. So it's vitally important. And if we look at what has happened to the cattle industry, number one, we can see that consumers have been paying super inflated prices for beef in the grocery store uh, going on about eight years now. And you've had cattle producers who are receiving seriously depressed prices until just recently, and the reason that prices have begun to rebound just recently is because we had a severe economic shock in our system, and that shock, of course, was widespread drought that caused liquidation of cattle numbers, which shrunk the supply of cattle, and so the latent forces of competition that still exist, though they've been hidden for many years, have finally been unleashed, and uh, we're seeing competitive forces now driving cattle prices up. But at the same time, consumers continue to pay super inflated prices for beef. So we know there's a problem, but we can look structurally and say, uh, and look at another aspect that clearly reveals the problem. And that is, if we go back a little over a generation ago, at that time, the cattle producers, the people who raised and sold live cattle, the farmers and ranchers, were receiving over 60 cents of every dollar that consumers spent on beef at the grocery store. And then the packers and the retailers had to share the minority share, and that was forty, under forty percent. So you had the, the um, producers a generation ago getting sixty cents approximately for every beef dollar. You had the packers and retailers sharing forty cents. And then over the course of just a few decades, that has been completely flipped on its head. Right now, we have the producer of the, uh, the cattle producer is receiving the minority share at forty cents. And the packers and retailers are sharing the majority share of over 60 cents. What that tells us is that in a competitive marketplace, it is the choices that consumers make at the, at the grocery store, uh, that generates demand for cattle and what they pay for beef is then allocated to every segment of the supply chain. And it was competitive forces 40 years ago that through those competitive forces, were allocating to, to the live cattle segment of the industry 60 cents. Today, it's only allocating less than 40 cents and allowing the packers and retailers uh, to, to benefit from the lost share that con- producers are now receiving. So you have to ask the question, if we had a competitive market that was properly allocating the competitive share of every consumer dollar along the entire beef supply chain, and we had prosperity at that time in the cattle industry. What happened? How can a competitive market be completely flipped on its head, and how can those allocation of shares have been so radically changed in just a little over a generation? And how does that happen in a competitive market? And the answer is it does not happen in a competitive market. (laughs) The reason it happens today is because we have purged competition from the industry. And if we look at how did that happen, Well, we know back about 40 years ago, we went through merger mania, and all the big packers ate all the little packers. And soon we had four packers controlling 85% of the fed cattle market. So they had considerable buying power in the marketplace by virtue of their dominant share in the market. And they could decide who had timely access to the market or not. Uh, They were the gatekeepers of the market. So the packers began to exercise their market dominance by creating or limiting access to the marketplace for producers and as a result uh, we were seeing prices being managed as a result of that kind of, of, of management over the supply chain coming into the beef packers and then soon after the the packers had achieved this high level of concentration we did what you said we did we jumped into this globalization we jumped into free trade agreements and the promise was that if we would expand export access for beef and we would create more demand internationally for beef, we would bring about prosperity and profits for U.S. cattle producers. That was the promise. The promise never materialized. In fact, it backfired. Because what happened was, as we entered these free trade agreements, like with NAFTA, Canada, Mexico, and CAFTA, South American countries, and the Australian Free Trade Agreement, for example, we, when we entered those agreements, we gave the multinational meat packers access to two markets. They got access to their inputs, which would be live cattle and beef, and they got access, more access to their exports. So this allowed the beef packers to become brokers, and we're, we're seeing it today. You know, we, we say, for example, well, we've got to export because we produce a lot of tongues, for example, from cattle, and the United States consumer doesn't eat much tongues, so we have to export it. But what's happening is, is the meat packers are importing tongues from Canada and other countries, several other countries, and then re-exporting them in the international market with a USA label on the beef. And they do that because they know that U.S. beef has earned the reputation of being the highest quality beef in the world, the most wholesome and tasteful beef. And that's the uh, directly result of the high standards that U.S. cattle producers exercise when producing that beef. And so the meat packers are able to exploit that, act as brokers. They can import tongues from other countries into the United States, turn around and ship them to Japan for a, a, a premium price, and, and then say that, well, you know, this is what we need for free trade. What we've really done is we've given the meat packers the ability to source their inputs from whatever country they can find at the cheapest, and then to export into the most affluent markets they can find around the world. And that has left the independent cattle producer all across the United States holding the bag. And finally, uh, just recently, uh, in fact, it was under the Trump administration. The Trump administration realized that we were creating untenable deficits in our trade policy. We were importing far more than we were exporting. And we were, as you indicated, we were outsourcing our manufacturing and even our cattle production. We, yes. we now are dependent on imports for 20% of the beef available in the United States. And this at a time when cattle producers were receiving depressed prices. So the, the system with the combination of concentration in the marketplace and then the globalization aspect of it, we have literally begun destroying the infrastructure, the competitive in- infrastructure for the independent cattle producer. And when I say infrastructure – I mean the basic components of the industry. In our industry, it's, you know, the number of cattle in the cattle herd. We've shrunk the number of cattle and cattle herd by 7 million cows, not because of drought, but we've done that over the course of, of 40 years. And it's a continual downward trajectory on that. We also shrunk the number of marketing outlets available to independent cattle producers. We wiped out 75% of all the feedlots in this country. Most of them, most all of the ones that we've lost, the 75%, were the family-sized farmer feeders who would raise their own, own corn and soybeans and feed those to their cattle. Mm-hmm. And now we're left with the mega feedlots because we wiped out 75% of the marketing outlets. We shrunk the number of uh, packers, another marketing outlet for cattle producers. So these are indices with downward trajectories, and most importantly, we've lost over 40%, in fact, 43% of all the cattle producers. We've eliminated cattle producers who are exiting the industry at an alarming rate. And so if we look at the structure of the industry, we see that our competitive infrastructure is shrinking fast and soon we'll hit the point of no return, as did, as you indicated, the hog and poultry industries. Once you have lost that competitive infrastructure, that means the number of participants, the size of the factory or the mother cows and the marketing outlets, You don't get it back. It's uh, You hit a point of no return, and we're done. And so we can predict the future of the cattle industry simply by looking at the the trajectories over the past 40 years. They're all steeply downward. And then you look at the economic viability of the cattle industry itself, and you look at the cow-calf producer, and they see a downward trajectory in the returns that they've received for their bred cows or from their calves each year from their cows. And if you look at the cattle feedlots, we see that they have been unprofitable for the past two decades. And so, am I hearing the music start?
2: You are, but go ahead and finish your thought. So
3: so what we're seeing is in all the industries determinant of a viable industry, they're all downward directing, downward trajectories, meaning we can predict the future if we don't make some significant and meaningful reforms to the cattle industry. We're going to keep losing producers, keep losing cows, keep losing market outlets, and the cow calf producer is going to be ever tightening the belt because they're not going to receive their cost of production for the marketplace and either will a feedlot. And there's he so many to make some significant There's reports. so
2: many things that are affecting all of this and anyway, we're headed into that break. You're listening to CSC Talk radio. This is Beth Ann. this is about you, the consumer. We'll be right back.
1: Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for companies that stay with us through thick and thin and pain. Join us as we celebrate the companies who support this nation. Support CSC Talk Radio. Our All American Market page hosts companies who are now affiliates and sponsors of CSC Talk Radio. My Pillow, McCall's Candles, Liberty Tabletop. And there's more to come. Whether you contact them via website or by phone, you have to use the promo code BETHANN. These companies have endured the economic storms of bad trade policies and U.S. regulations. And they have earned your business. They take pride in their products. So visit the new webpage, CSCTalkRadio.com, and click on the All-American Market button. That's CSCTalkRadio.com All-American Market button. And always use the promo code BETHANN. and the other possessions will be at your new home. So if you're moving across country or across town, be a Pack Rat. Join the Pack Rat family. Call Pack Rat right now for your free quote. See you all later, Pack Rats.
4: 800-761-3146. 800-761-3146. 761 3146 That's 800-761-3146.
2: So we have returned. You're listening to CSE Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann. We're visiting with Bill Bullard, and we're talking about, well, it really it relates to everything that's going on, but in particular our, our own independent cattle businessmen and ranchers around this nation and what's happened to our markets. But, you know, this this there's so many things that are affecting um, us, and I don't know if you want to get into any of this or, at all, but I, I wanted to share with you Uh, I get an, I get an email with articles from, and I've, I've lost there. That's a medical group. Uh, they're kind of outside the, the norm of the JAMA. They don't care for that too much. And this is from Dr. Jane Orient, and I've had her on before. And her title in this article is, Did the Grinch Steal Christmas in Your Town? And she goes on and she mentions several things, but right smack dab in the middle of this article, the first page anyway, she says, uh, of course, they think we eat too much meat around here. You know that. <laughs> but in the Netherlands, which is the world's second largest exporter of food, the government is expropriating 3,000 farms to meet sustainable development, nitrogen emissions goals. And livestock emits methane, and nitrogen contains waste and fertilizer, a.k.a. fertilizer. So it must be sacrificed so that's the farming in the netherlands and we've seen what they've done in some of the other countries all for this climate change which is a hoax we all know it (laughs) but you know even in the green new deal they mention you know the gassy cows and the methane gas and and uh, they don't understand the balance of nature at all but the farmer is fighting so many different things and the landowners that it's it's It looks, it looks discouraging at times, but I always tell everyone, don't be discouraged, be determined. Uh, because Americans are, are known for their resilience and bouncing back. I think we got a long way to bounce right now, but we've got to not take the Martin Niemöller, uh, attitude of, well, it wasn't me, so I, I didn't do anything. Because at the last day, that snowball's going to hit you when it comes down that hill. And so, I just wanted to kind of mention that it was in her her article, which was really good. If you, I, if you ever uh, see any of those articles from that particular group, which I can't remember the name of them, they uh, they're it's surgeons and physicians, and uh, they are they are good. <laughs> they really are right, good. It's not right. it's not what you, not what you uh, yeah. would expect to hear in these days and times from our medical field.
3: So so this is globalization on steroids. And uh, ground zero is the Netherlands. It's the Dutch farmers who are literally being forced out of business uh, because the government wants to pursue and comply with climate change goals. Now, these climate change goals can be tied right back to the World Bank, you know, who are including this as criteria for making loans. And then you can tie it to what's called the Global Roundtable for Sustainable Beef, that for many years, and they include all the major or most of the major meat packers, m- many of the world banks, and it includes uh, organizations that represent packers like the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, and these groups have been trying to, to force producers uh, to begin recording um, all of their uh, emissions emissions from their operations and to begin you know meeting um, arbitrary criteria as to what they can do in the management of their cattle herds in order to reduce the, uh, the footprint, uh, the emissions footprint. And the Global Roundtable for Sustainable Beef has been trying to do this for many, many years. Well, the Netherlands now has captured that because the same standards that the Global Roundtable for Sustainable Beef was trying to institute are the very standards that the Dutch farmers are now being subjected to And it's going to force them out of business. So obviously we've lost sight of the importance of food production uh, in the Netherlands. But the Netherlands is just the ground zero. It's starting. It's happening all over. It's happening in the United States. And it's happening in a very um, strange way because it's the Securities and Exchange Commission that is uh, proposing rules to require the multinational meat packers, all publicly traded companies, to provide reports for, on their supply chains as to the level of emissions that they're making and contributing to to climate uh, change. And so you know. what's happening now is in the United States, the government is going to authorize the multinational corporations to dictate to producers what they must do in order to have access to the marketplace. And what they're going to try to do is to force Uh, additional record keeping unnecessary planning they're going to try to force social goals objectives on these producers and it's going to burden them to the extent that that the same will happen to u.s cattle producers which is happening very fast in the netherlands and that is they're going to render them uh, unprofitable and they're going to force them out of business and uh, this is a huge issue and it's traced right back to the globalization factor that we talked about earlier we have Mm -hmm. you know. We have a problem with concentration, which means to solve that, we have to begin enforcing our antitrust laws like the Sherman Act and the Clayton Act that have been passed over 100 years ago. And we have to, uh, we, we have to ensure that we don't have four-packers controlling 85 percent of the marketplace. We have to have competition. You can't have competition with that level of uh, control. And then We used to be against monopolies side, in this country. That.
2: We used to be against monopolies in this country, but now we seem to uh, lift them up and praise them and want them to get bigger and do away with the independence. Of course, they don't want anybody owning land, and uh, that's just, you know, that's just the gospel of government right now. And, you know, the American farmers have, I've had Mindy Patterson on, she's on with me quite Mm -hmm. a bit, and we talk about the restrictions of the USDA and everything, you know, with uh, what... um, animal industry has to deal with especially with the raising the 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 uh pets you know the the dogs and other things and then the circuses and all that they have to deal with well farmers and ranchers do the same thing they have to deal maybe not with animal inspections but they have to listen to the blm and the epa and they have to be concerned about this and that and it's and it all stifles productivity now that's not that some things aren't good i mean not, we need to be good stewards and as a rule farmers usually are there are a few actors bad actors in the in that but if if we listen you know when they talk about globalism i i put it this way what they want with globalism is global communism they want the elite who will be running the show to own all the property, all the land, and everybody else becomes serfs on the property, serfs in the, you know, slaves to the government. As as our government continues to go deeper and deeper in debt, there's no way to pay that all back. But it's going to come out of the people. It's not coming out of those who are passing these omnibus bills that uh do everything except anything for the American people. And, it, and it's – go ahead.
3: Well, what you said about we used to oppose and resist monopolies, but today we seem to welcome them and favor them over the independent uh, operator. Yes, And we can trace that back to the single biggest problem we have, and that is the multinational corporations have tremendous influence over members of Congress. And so the problems that we have is not necessarily Republican-Democrat. We've gone through several administrations, Republican and Democrat alike, and we continue to see our problems worsening. And what's happening is is it's the self-interest being served by those who have the resources in order to prevail in their efforts to win their own self-interest. And the multinational Packers, for example, have been winning at every juncture.
2: Yeah, and that was That's a question. I hear the music, and that was a question I was going to ask. Have we given up on ever, ever enforcing the Packers and Stockyards Act and some of those others that you mentioned? Because we don't get anywhere. But you're absolutely right. Uh, this, uh, this, uh I don't know how else to spell it, war against rural America or against American industry, it seems to be bipartisan. They're in it together. And uh, I, ca- I call it a uniparty or monopoly two-party system in the in the United States because they they're doing anything except following the Constitution
3: you're listening to CSE by, uh, by absolutely.
2: you're listening to CSE Talk Radio this is Beth Ann with Bill Bullard of RCAF USA we'll be right back
0: have you heard about vine-to-bar chocolate
1: We researched over 1,000 annuities and summarized rates and benefits from financially strong insurers. You get annuity do's and don'ts for baby boomers and the annuity rate report, both absolutely free for calling Annuity General today. Hurry, supplies are limited.
4: Call now. 800-495-3652. 800-495-3652. 800-495-3652. That's 800-495-3652.
2: Mike Lindell and MyPillow are offering a BOGO extravaganza on multiple MyPillow products. Now's the time to join the millions of Americans who have changed the quality of their sleep with MyPillow. Right now, take advantage of Mike's buy one get one free pricing on MyPillow's bed sheets, Giza Elegance MyPillows 6-piece towel set and Roll and Go Anywhere MyPillows and so much more. Just go to the radio listener specials page at mypillow.com and use promo code BETHAN or call 1-800-978 And we have returned to listening to CSC Talk Radio. This is Beth Ann with Bill Bullard of RCAF USA. I want you to visit their website. Got lots of things there you can read and glean from, get some information. We all need to be informed, and that's one thing we are not in this uh, country right now. We can't trust the media, and uh, I hope that I'm not included in that. I just can't cover it all in one hour every day. But r-cafusa.com, r calf. USA.com. And I'm going to let you give a little plug for RCAF. I know you need membership. That helps you stay going. <laughs> and uh, I want to emphasize again to our listeners, this is a national security issue. You're not going to hear the others talk about it. Oh, they may throw a bone once in a while. But you're not going to hear the mainstream media, the lamestream media, or even the conservative talk shows on TV talk about the food industry, the cattle industry. You'll see them when the cattle are in trouble, but they're not going to talk about what's happening in the industry and the markets. And it is a national security issue. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Bill again, and let's talk about what RCAF does and how they can help you and uh, how we've got to keep this message in front of the people.
3: Yes. So what you described is a David versus Goliath problem <laughs> yes. that we have. And, of course, we're David. <laughs> and and uh, we operate on a shoestring. And yet we have made a profound impact on arriving at solutions. Our focus has been on solving the problem. So a little over three years ago, we filed a, a historic antitrust lawsuit alleging that the four largest packers have unlawfully conspired to artificially reduce prices paid to producers, cattle producers, and to inflate prices paid by consumers at the grocery store. So we're looking out for the interests of both producers and consumers. And the way we can win this David and Goliath versus Goliath the competition is through citizens. We need consumers and producers to stand together and hound their members of Congress until they agree to institute the reforms that we've already suggested to them needs to be instituted. But because Congress refused to act, we filed this antitrust lawsuit against the big four packers, and the industry came unglued. You know, they attacked us for being litigious and said (laughs) this is the inappropriate route to take. But we were the snowball that you described earlier, the small snowball on the top of the mountain. Because in the course of the last three years, this case has grown uh, exponentially. We now have every segment of the beef supply chain. We've got major retailers that are now alleging price fixing on the part of the same four packers and have filed lawsuits. And that includes like Kroger's and Albertsons, largest some of the largest uh, retailers in the United States. And very recently now we have fast food restaurants that have jumped in like Arby's and Sonic and Burger King and Whataburger. They've all joined in uh, to, to help solve the problem, realizing that Congress has been sitting on their hands and refused to act. So now we need to use a third branch of government, and we're in the, in the heart of that right now. We're, we're in discovery in our case. But all of these other segments of the supply chain, the retailers, uh, even some of the distributors and the producers, have all been brought together, um, and we're all uh, under the same court and working this case through so it's a very complicated case very large case and a very very important case and because we did that uh, paved the way for um really scrutinizing the conduct of the meat packers we have the u.s department of justice joined in and they're, they have an ongoing investigation over the conduct of packers uh, that's been going on for about two years now and so we started things rolling towards a solution, and then we've been working simultaneously with Congress trying to initiate some significant reforms, like, for example, giving consumers the right to choose where they want their beef produced with mandatory country of origin labeling, one of the most important things we can do to restore competition in the marketplace. And we were successful in getting that introduced in the Congress back in September, and now we're going to have it reintroduced soon after the new Congress convenes uh, at the end of January. So we have the solutions in place. We've done it on a shoestring. We did it because we work with consumers and we try to get more and more consumers to help uh, in the lobbying and in the make, making calls to the members of Congress, writing letters, writing letters to the editors in their local papers to really point out the travesty that's occurring in their communities because we stripped the opportunity for profitability for cattle producers and they're the economic cornerstones of most of our rural communities. And that's why we see our rural communities hollowing out. So yeah. there are solutions out there, but we need help to get them accomplished. And we need help in Absolutely. terms of just consumers getting involved. We need more members. The larger we are, the more influential we will be. And we need contributions because we operate solely on the member contributions and memberships in order to fund the activities that we're doing. And the activities that we are doing are leading the United States towards the solution to this problem that's been chronic for four years and now has become acute because of the combination of the widespread drought that we've recently experienced. But we know that because all the trajectories are downward, whether we have a drought or not, we will soon be out of this period where we have higher cattle prices, and the cattle prices will tank again just like they did in 2015 after the drought of 2011 through 2013. So we have to make some meaningful reforms, and we have to do it now, and we need help yeah. doing it. So
2: I'm going to give your phone number there for RCAF USA. That's 406-252-2516. 406-252-2516. Now, I, I'm not on top of everything like I should be, Bill, but you were using – the New Civil Liberties Alliance, um, to help you with these things. And I do remember that I in- interviewed a couple of their lawyers there, and one of them was mm-hmm. Harriet Hageman. I had her on several times. I hope she's going to be a great advocate in Congress. And uh, so we're looking forward right. to that and watching that closely, too.
3: Yes. And before she uh, won her election, she had filed a petition with the U.S. Supreme Court asking the U.S. Supreme Court to hear our case in which we allege that the government has no right to impose upon cattle producers a requirement to use radio frequency identification ear tags on their animals. Mm -hmm. We call that RFID. We have an RFID case pending before the U.S. Supreme Court because of Harriet Hegeman, who is now a member of Congress representing Wyoming. Uh, But we still have the other attorneys at the New Civil Liberties Alliance, and we will continue to defend the the liberties and freedoms of cattle producers. That's the third aspect that I didn't mention in the the long uh, (laughs) segment at the beginning. We've got concentration as a problem we need to solve with antitrust enforcement. We have globalization as a problem, which we need to reverse our policies. Then we have this problem where the freedoms and liberties of producers are being infringed upon, and the RFID mandate is a perfect example of that. And there, we so again, many, uh, the administration. So many things. in using the court system.
2: Yeah. 406 Thank you, Bill. I know you work awful hard. I've been enjoying the last couple of articles. I'm so busy, I don't always get them read. Anytime you need to get something before the people, please don't hesitate to give me a call because I'm going every which direction here, and uh, you're, you're full speed ahead one direction. So give me a call if you ever need me. I'm right here. It's time that we all, we still outnumber them. And when we work together, right. we will bring America home. God bless you, Bill.
5: Or send email to beth at csctalkradio.com.
6: Do we lack enthusiasm and understanding of the word liberty? Do we weep for liberty which we have lost? Or do we simply not understand the substance and sacrifice for which we were once privileged? Liberty. As a republic, we the people must guard the liberty of others. We must continue the enthusiasm that will make men free. Visit CSCTalkRadio.com, where Beth Ann puts enthusiasm and common sense back into American liberty as she brings America home. For
1: centuries, those who raise, breed, and work with animals have been revered and lauded for what they do. Today, across America, the rights to own and raise animals are under attack by animal rights activists